Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So here we are in the bottom of the ninth inning. Two outs and running first base. Mark Knutson, the tall right-hander, trying to nail this one down. He has thrown a gem to this point. Eight and two-thirds innings, giving up just three hits and looking for his fourth complete game for the speed and perhaps to secure his 15th victory. He's got a 3-1 to one lead here in the bottom of the ninth, but at the plate is the guy who has two of those hits, Manny Randawa. A single to center and a double to right so far. Knutson into his windup. Here's the pitch, and he throws a fastball right by Randawa for strike one. Randawa a bit tardy on that swing. Now we're ready for the next pitch. The windup, and here it comes. There's a swing and a long one. Into the gap in right center field, way back towards the wall. It's off the wall. Bichette can't get there. He's chasing it down, and out of nowhere comes Ellis Burke. He'll get to the ball first. The run's going to score. Randawa is around second. He's digging for three. Here comes the throw from Burks. It's going to be close. Here's the slide. It's it's the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Manny, we're back at the Coors Field finally. It seemed like a, maybe the longest offseason ever, but we're back. Baseball's being played. Rockies and Dodgers game three of the rubber game of this series. Yeah, uh, you're right. It felt like forever, um, and but we're back, and it was great to to and and, and we'll be uh, talking in this podcast with Ryan McMahon. Uh, he's happy to be back. He's happy to be. He's very happy to be back, and uh, he's so far so good for him. Uh, we'll be talking with him, and we'll be talking to one of your buddies after that. Charlie Kerfeld and I were teammates with the Astros uh, in early '80s, mid '80s. Um, a character, if you again, I say it all the time. If you don't know who Charlie Kerfeld is, Google him, and you'll be very impressed and very entertained. By uh, he has a brief major league career, had a stellar 11 and 2 season in 1986 when he was a middle reliever for the uh, division champion Astros. One of game's great characters. Been scouting for about 25 years. Some great stories. Absolutely, and our conversation is tremendous. You got to listen to the entire thing. In fact, we're probably going to break it up into a couple of parts. Listen to the and whole it won't thing. Be the last time we have him, and we will definitely have him on again. It was a great conversation about old school, new school, and and where we are in the uh, stat revolution. You, you're trying to get this, the analytics and the old school together and find some middle ground. And let's let's, good... let's figure out a way to be friends. All right, we'll be back with more. Stay with us. It's the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast from Coors Field. Right after this, for the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars, past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information. Welcome back to the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Manny Randawa here along with Mark Knudsen and special guest Ryan McMahon, who has never been on a podcast before. And we are we, honored. We are honored yeah, first and, line, first and, a little, and a little bit surprised that he hasn't been on a podcast before, uh, given all that he's done for this club so far. Uh, Ryan, uh, great to have you on, first of all. And uh, happy opening uh, weekend of the season. Thank you. And uh, yet, uh, this we're recording this on uh, Sunday against uh, the Sunday game against the Dodgers. So you just had a nice little, nice little night for yourself uh, yesterday. I think it was a single and a double. Um, and uh, before the game, uh, Bud Black was talking about how the, the opening day jitters might have got to you on, on opening day, um, as it did most guys, and it did, as it does most guys, even veterans. And then you kind of just brought it back down. 
and then last night you had a nice little night. Is that is that kind of fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair to say, man. I think so many guys get like that, right? You know, you're so excited. You want to go out there. You want to hit four homers the first game and, uh, you know, start the season in a big way. But, um, you know, I think we got back to some good baseball last night. I think the guys calmed down and, you know, took good at bats in big situations, and uh, we got the win. How's the uh, short and spring affected you in regards to an opening day like this? Um, it, it did feel quick. Um, you've been through some, so... You know, like, I think the sweet spot, honestly, is like that five-week range. I yep. think that six-and-a-half might be a little too long. But uh, it was it was definitely quick, but I, I feel I feel like our team's pretty ready. Do you think that, uh, you know, I, I was watching quick pitch this morning when I got up because um, that's what we all do, right? Yeah. And uh, so I saw Brandon Woodruff, um, his first four batters, I think he walked three, hit one. Yeah. And the and this is the Brewers pitching staff. So, and then you have um, the reigning Cy Young winner, uh, Corbin Burns, who – um, walked his first batter, whereas he walked in the first batter of the game, as he walked his first batter in his seventh start last year. Yeah. How much do you think you're not a pitcher, but how much do you think this is affecting guys, and does that give you kind of an advantage, pitchers versus hitters, when you got short spring like that? Yeah, I think I think they're definitely uh, the ones behind, right? Especially the starters, they've got to stretch out and do all that stuff. So I, I definitely could see them being behind it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Corbin Burns, what he had 50 strikeouts before he had a, a walk last year, something, something like that. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I definitely think that those are the guys probably that are uh, hurt from it a little bit, but I'm sure they'll get figured out. You're going to see a lot more relief pitchers, especially early on. Yeah. Um, affect your preparation at all, or do you? I mean, that what 16 guys, nine relief pitchers yeah. now, whatever. You got a lot of guys to study up. Yeah, uh, definitely got to hone in on those long relief guys. You know, we faced Tyler Anderson, I think, for more innings than we faced the starter last night. So. Um, I think you just take a little bit more pride and a little bit more focus in uh, in scouting those guys. So congratulations, you had a, you had signed an extension here. Um, the Rockies have made a big commitment to you, and um, based on uh, what you've done for them so far, that you know, for good reason. Um, I think that um, you know, the Rockies have uh, in, in recent years um, kind of taken it on the chin in certain cases when it's like you know, c- contracts versus value and how much they got out of people, but. Your defense alone last year going to pay for that contract if you do that every year. But as far as the, uh, at the plate, you had an incredible first couple months, you know. And uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to forget that three home run game that you that you had. I guess it was probably in April or May. What happened in the second half? How? What? What did you go about doing in the off season to try to tackle that problem? Whatever yeah, it was. For me, um, you know, last year it felt like the tale of two halves, two completely different players. Um, you know, I, I think I learned a lot from it, though. Um, I think I learned what I was doing wrong. Um, and I think my whole focus this offseason was uh, was trying to just stay short to the ball and not overswing, which I think that's kind of what gets me in trouble, right, when I'm kind of jumping at the ball, trying to go get it and everything like that, instead of just letting the game come to me. So uh, for me personally, my whole offseason work was kind of tailored to that. And um, I mean, this game's tough, man. This game's not easy. And uh, that's why, you know, those guys get paid big bucks to, to do it, you know, like Nolan every single year when he's hitting 40 and stuff like that. So. I think the goal is to go be consistent and uh, just try to help this team win games. To, to your credit, though, you didn't let your struggles to play affect your defense. And a lot of guys do. A lot of guys take their – I mean, you make an error, you bring it back to home plate with you your next at bat. You didn't. You were able to separate those. What do you tell young guys who have to learn to do that? I don't know. I don't know what I would tell them, man. I think you just have to focus. I think you have to take pride in it and do it for your teammates. You know, I didn't want to go out there and, and be this Debbie Downer that was, you know, sucking the team down. I wanted to – you know, hey, if I'm not doing anything for the team of the plate, at least let me go play some good defense and uh, help this team try to win. How 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 did you do this so well? Because I mean, Rockies fans know, um, but even just the wider um, baseball world, you know, uh, when they see what you did last year, they're kind of shocked because they, you know, 
this kid took to Phil Nolan Arnado's shoes and he did it to such an extent that you guys were neck and neck in the gold glove race, basically. And honestly, I mean, I, I wouldn't have been um, upset at all if you had won it because I, I, I go by the numbers and the numbers were just like that, like right there. And so, and you play different, but you played second, you played third. Um, how in the world were you able to mentally go into that and be like, you know, it's like I was talking to somebody uh, yesterday about filling Ben Scully's shoes, yeah. uh, Joe Davis. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I was thinking before they named Davis, I was like, who, you know, whoever does this, this is like it's a huge tough, thing. Yeah. How did you do that with Nolan Arnauto? Um, honestly, man, I think, I think the best thing I did was I didn't think about Nolan. Um, I think if I had been trying to be Nolan, trying to do, you know, everything that he had done, uh, I don't think it would have worked out the same way. So my focus every day was just go out there, honestly, do what I can do. And I had a good, good uh, coaching staff around me that kind of helped me stay that way. Uh, good teammates, obviously, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I think in this game, all you can do is try to be the best version of yourself, and that's that's all you can do on a daily basis. One of the special things about Nolan is he's one of the few third basemen that they'd leave on the on this side of the infield in a shift, yeah. moving to shortstop. Are you going to do that? And and we got to ask you about banning the shift as a hitter and a, pit and a defensive player. How do you feel about all that? Yeah, um, I hope they do. I'd, I'd like to line up at shortstop, take a couple over there. Um, as a kid, it's every kid's dream yeah. to be a big league shortstop, right? Um, and then as far as so Bannon, what position you haven't played? Yeah, yeah. seriously, seriously. Um, and then as far as Banning, man, um, I'm kind of excited. Um, you know, there's it's not a good feeling when you hit a ball well to right field and you look up and the Second other team's third there. baseman is, you know, halfway out there catching it. So uh, for me personally, especially as a lefty who kind of hits balls over there, um, I'm excited to see how it shakes out. Um, and you know, I, I think for, you know, as far as, as, far as the integrity of the game, um, I think I think it's going to be good. So he's he's in favor of banning it and likes it to play in it. Yeah, it's kind of so a, kind of a cool. love yeah. relationship going on. There. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is weird. It's um, a weird we, spot. Car Carlos Gonzalez, uh, he'll be here again today, um, but he was in the building last night uh, during the broadcast, and I remember he asked me, uh, your former teammates with him, but he asked me um, one time, he's like, who created the Ted Williams shift? Because I want to know who to think about when I when I ground into that. Thing. <laughs> And Seriously. I was like, I, I did the research, and it was Lou Boudreau. He was a Cleveland manager slash okay. player in the 1940s. He did it for Williams, and it worked. And now it's been working all these years. So I'm sure it's going to be nice when you hit that ground ball that would have gone into right field. Actually uh, gets yeah. into right field. It actually gets you, into right field see or that, up the middle. Yeah, yeah, when you can see that one, it's the up the middle one for me, man. Yeah. I feel like that's a hard spot to hit the ball right back up the middle. That's got to be a hit. And for years and years, that's been the, the, the strategy, right, for yeah. so many hitters. Stay in like, the middle of the field. The middle field. field yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I was always kind of against anything that would change the game dramatically because I'm, like, pure game guy. But, like, at the same time, like, the curveball used to be banned in like 1880, whatever. It was really, I didn't know that. Yeah, I and it was like that, the curveball yeah. was banned in the beginning, in the infancy of the game. And it's like, what would happen if we didn't have the curveball? We have to change things, you know, at times. So I can get that. I yeah. can get that. From a team perspective, uh, you're a football guy. Football players, NFL, they like to break it up into quadrants. It's, you know, four game, four game, four game, four game. Right. How are you guys looking at? Are you looking at this monthly? How do you? How does the math work for you guys? How do you look at this and say, listen, we got to be an 85 win team if we want to be in the postseason? What do you look for month to month? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, you know, I don't know if I don't know if we have a specific way. Like as a team, we're looking at it. Um, I think kind of the go-to way is you always look at the series, right? You always try to win the series. Um, but I mean, man, if you can break it down even more than that and just take it day by day and and really try to win every single day. I mean, obviously, man, it's baseball. You're gonna lose, but you know, if you can at least go out there and attempt and try to put yourself in a spot to win, um, I think I think good things are gonna happen. And you got this outfit, the big bad, I call him. Across the way, yeah. uh, only beat him six times last season. Um, how, how close? If you play close to 500 ball against the Dodgers and the Giants, 
you're probably a postseason team. Yeah, right. Tough teams, you know. And I think if you can play 500 ball against them, like you said, like I, I think that's going to be pretty good. You know, I think you can win some other games against some other teams. I mean, it's, it's all professional baseball, right? All the teams are good, but these well, are these are some not serious. Baltimore. Yeah, <laughs> no, these are just these are some seriously tough teams. So you know, play them tough and try to try to try to edge them out. You know, try to try to go up on them, be above 500. There's been a lot of turmoil surrounding this team. We don't know how much of that is inside. You, you guys seem to be pretty cohesive inside the clubhouse, but outside it's been a lot of, uh, you, you know, I don't know yeah. that you, you've got a Twitter burner account or whatever, <laughs> but like if you watch that stuff, or it's probably better not to, but it's been tough for the last few years, to yeah. say the least, for this organization. But there have been a lot of changes now this offseason. I mean, when you bring in a guy like Chris Bryant and then you make that trade for Randall Gritchick, there's a lot of pop in his bat. Um, I think that's that's encouraging, but at the same time, for a guy like you who gets in the middle of the order with those guys, and who is looking at this team and being here for now for a long time, um, what where do you what direction do you see? I mean, obviously it's forward, but what is the outlook for this team in the next few years? In your opinion? Yeah, I got you. Um, you know, I think a lot of that was warranted. Unfortunately, the the bad press, uh, you know, the the I don't even know how to describe it, but you know, yeah. just kind of the bad press and everything like that. I think. Of it was warranted, man. Um, you know, I think we we were a lot better team than we played, and you know, we didn't do a lot of great things out there. But you know, like you said, we added KB, we added Kritchik, um, you know, and just kind of the overall direction of this organization. It feels from top to bottom. It just feels like it's heading in a better direction. And you know, until we prove it, until we go out there and do it, um, you know, nobody's going to say anything. They're going to keep you know along with the same same headlines and all that stuff like that. So you know, that's not that's not anything we can worry about. All we can do is worry about playing baseball and. We like we like the guys we have in the room, and we like how we all get along and play together. So uh, we're excited about it. A lot of folks think you kind of overachieved a year ago, maybe underachieved the previous couple seasons, but overachieved a year ago. Um, and that's a, that's not unusual for guys in your situation, kind of making trying to establish themselves in toeholds. Right. Now you guys are established. Now you, I won't say about target on your back, but you have expectations have been have been raised. How do you deal with that inside the clubhouse? I mean. People are talking about you being a potential playoff team. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, it, it's good to be talked about like that. And like you said, we've got a lot of guys who are kind of now just like they're, they've gotten Step their feet wet, and now it's time to you know right. kind of take those next steps. So, if we take those next steps, man, we should be a pretty good ball club, and uh, you know, I think that's going to be the goal for a lot of us this this season. We know we, uh, you got to go. We're going to let you go here in a minute, but I got one last question for you, and that is this: You going to take that Gold Glove away from Nolan Arado this year? Um, I'm going to try to, man. Nolan, <laughs> Nolan's career speaks for itself. He's done it for so many years, and, and you know, obviously, I've just done it for the last year. So, my my goal is go out there and, and try to repeat what I did last year, and uh, you know, whatever happens, happens. But yeah, of course, I'm, and of, course, of course, I'd like to take and it play short stuff in the shift a few times. Yeah, yeah and, and I do I'm want sure to get over there. If anybody, if anybody's going to take it, it, I'm sure he'd wanted it, want it to be you. So. Uh, I think he, I think he'd want it to not be me. Though. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, we appreciate it very thanks much. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate thanks. it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Right. Yeah. Hey, thanks. We're back on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Mark and Manny, um, joined by an old buddy, a former teammate. Uh, and as, as they say now, if you don't know who this, if his name doesn't ring a bell, just Google it. You'll get all the information. Well, not all the information. We'll get more information now. Charlie Kerfield joins us. And Chaz, you and I go back a long ways, back to early 80s. 1982. Back to the early days, back, back when, when the baseball was a much simpler game. But in the, in the years that have, have, have gone past, you had that magnificent 86 season with the Astros. You've had a, a career as a manager, which still blows my mind, by the way. I still don't know. And I think Bob Didier and I both share that philosophy. I would think Bob does. That was a little hard to, hard to fathom that you were once a manager. But you've been scouting a long time. 
the scouting profession, it's changed so dramatically over the last, I don't know, 10 years. Um, how do you do your job now as opposed to what you used to do it? Well, this is my 20th year scout, and I've been blessed for 14 of them. I've worked for Real Baseball Man that lets you scout. And they don't bring the analytics in it. We have analytics department for that. We have, you know, everything. Everybody has their department. So for me, I just go do my job. And, you know, by now, if I don't know what a player is, I'm probably, as they say, we trick them. But I, I don't think you can trick you them in this trick world people. anymore. You don't know how to trick people. But, but I just, you know, you just do your job. And I'm lucky I got Dombrowski now. And Dave's an old-time baseball guy. And, you know, you know, he doesn't want long, drawn-out reports. He doesn't want spin rates. He wants to know if he liked the player or not. Would you acquire him? It's you really know, that simple. It is, but that, that's a dying breed, right? No, it's a dead breed. Dead? I think the White Sox, probably us, there's not many that go by their scouts anymore. Most of it's analytics and stuff like that. And that's okay. That's what you people, we all choose what we think's right. We all choose what we think's wrong. So, Our partner, here's an analytics guy. So that's okay. Yeah, I do stat cast, uh, research and things like that. And, and, and I, um, he's, uh, first of all, um, Mark has... Is, has been working on getting me and Goose Gossage in a room, and he wants to have it, us to have it out about analytics versus old school. And tell me if I'm wrong, but I said only if he provides security, only if he provides a bodyguard. Security will both lose. So anyway, to the question. This is no friend of mine. To the question. To the question. Um, you know, it's I even I can look at uh, the current landscape of baseball and say the analytics. Um, Analytics are great. Analytics have been abused in, in, in ways that have swung the pendulum so far to one side um, that, you know, it's going to need to come back. And um, that involves, uh, no matter how much uh, us nerds want to nerds wanna say that, 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 they're, that, that, they're, that, that the human element is overrated, I think it is in some, in some corners, in some circles, but there is one. And so... Uh, what is your feel for around Major League Baseball? The how much uh, how much front offices are relying on scouts uh, and versus analytics in terms of the ratio? I would say 20, 80. 20% scouts, 80% analytics. And, you know, the analytics have their part just like the scouts do. What's happened is me and Mark being ex-teammates and ex-Major League players have played a while. A computer and all them deals they put in there, they're great. But you don't know what's in a man's heart. You don't know what's happening with his family. You don't know what his relationship is with the manager. There's a lot of things that, that don't go into that equation that that thing spits out. And those things, as a player, are way more important than on-base percentage and all that. Because you know what? You can get a guy that's a superstar. It's a it's a terrible teammate, and he can wreck a team all by himself. See, yeah, and those products that that, that that aren't accounted for by them. And, uh, and I'll say this: um, Have you seen uh, Trouble with the Curve? Have you seen yeah. that movie? Okay. Yeah, Clint Eastwood. If you haven't seen it, watch it because basically the analytics guys are uh, the bad guys, and the old school guys are the heroes. It's the opposite of Moneyball, basically. Um, usually, uh, uh, this is the second time I've had the occasion to say this. Usually, the answer is somewhere in the middle. Right. Not on the poles. And so, Ted Williams was talking about launch angle long before we called it that. 
you know. And so these things are not new. Tracy Ringel, he loves to say that these things aren't new. He's right, um, but also there is a marriage of the two somewhere that is the right balance, and that's what we're missing in this kind of polarized world where where politics or sports or whatever you want to call it, you have to be on one side or the other, or else you don't count. What I tell people all the time: the game is baseball. It's not scouts, it's not analytics, it's called baseball. And that's what people tend to forget. The one thing that when analytics came in, what they did is they disrespected the 20, 30 years you put in the game, and that doesn't matter. The, whatever comes out of the computer matters. No. And that's what, that's what came out that people says, well, and that does matter because you know what? I can go back to when I was in eight. Well, we were in instruction league in '82, and I can see McMahon for Colorado, and I can remember a guy I saw in 1983 or '82, '84 that reminds me he's the exact same player. By the way, it's just a different name. Before we forget, before we forget, since we had Mac on this podcast, uh-huh. or, uh, or are going to, depending on how we, we we order this, how Mark decides to order this, who does he remind you? Now you, now you, now you, I'm just using an example, but you know what I'm saying? You. You, you got guys like that all throughout baseball, and you just go back and you go, okay, it says Smith, but it said Jones 12 years ago, or 20 years ago. Yeah, that's that's all, and that's that's what we have, is we have, a, we have our computer up here in our, in our, basically our digest of what's been through our head through all these years, and you just go back and you see stuff and you remember stuff, and you go... Okay. You said it the best. They put the new name on it, Launch Hammer. That's where all this stuff, all all these fake names they've came up for, piss baseball people off. Tracy said it the best. Hey, man, it's the same stuff. It's just all these names they're putting on it. I saw a guy the other day say, Oh, we, 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 we're teaching this new this new sweeping slider that's new. Sweeping slider was 30 years before me and him played. But it's a new pitch. No, it's not a new pitch. You may have moved somebody's arm angle or, or you know, taught them a different grip. It's not a new pitch. And one thing I'll say about this is I was uh, talking to uh, Eric Davis. He was, he was in town several weeks ago. And we were asking him about this, and he said something very insightful, I think. He said, if you're in the analytics department... It's got to be about the player, not about you. If it's about you and what you're doing and what you're coming up with and, and, and your success uh, is all wrapped up in, and your idea of success is all wrapped up in whether this player listens to you and does what he, that's going to be a recipe for disaster because what's going to happen is then you got egos fighting, you know. Second, uh, second thing, I'll, well, this is going to be a question, and it is since most guys who are scouts right now, I would imagine, have gray hair. Are we losing? Are we losing that? Are we going to lose that uh, through the next generation in terms of understanding the, the things that you talked about that can't be measured? Yeah, we're losing it already. We've lost it already because you go out and look and you go out and look at scouting staffs, half to 60% never play pro baseball. They have no idea what guys go through. They don't know idea about the bus rides, sleeping on the floors, like we are an A-ball, six to a two-bedroom apartment. They don't realize any of that stuff. They, I don't, I'm not just talking about the baseball. I'm talking about the other stuff. Because these guys are hiring their buddies. And they said, well, old school guys used to all say they didn't hire us baseball guys. Well, we're in the baseball business. 
So you want to hire baseball guys that understand the ins and outs of the game because it's not that easy to play baseball. It's really not. Let's talk about the game on the field a little bit because it's changed dramatically since you and I played. And we're talking about, today we're talking with Ryan McMahon about um, banning the shift. And on one hand, he likes the shift because he wants to go play shortstop sometimes. Sure. But on the other hand, he, as a hitter, he doesn't want to ground out to the third baseman playing short right field anymore. Um, how, do you, how do you view the, the changes in the game itself? Are, are they, personally, I, I'm, I'm old school like you. I don't like the ch- some of these changes. Well, for like the guy me and you played with, he'd had 10,000 strikeouts instead of 5,000. Oh, absolutely. No one, no one would have had 10,000. And, and then you go and you go, okay, guys, they bitch about the shit. Well, you know what? I saw Joey Gallo. I saw Joey Gallo lay three bunts down last year down the third baseline, and I, and I watched the pitcher scream at him. I go, "Don't scream at the player. All he's doing is trying to get a hit, get on base." And I blame, I blame the hitters for not taking advantage of it. Cut. They. I mean, how many guys in today's game do you do you see choke up? Who was the best hitter you ever saw? Well, best hitter I ever saw, Barry Bonds. Correct. Up. Correct. And you know what? If somebody says, I'm going to give you 20 feet between short and third, and you're a left-handed hitter. Tony Gwynn. Just hit a ground ball. you got a base hit. That's where I blame the players. And, and to me, you look around staffs in the big leagues, we're getting guys from batting cages that are major league hitting coaches. How, you know, how about learning? How about going down the minor leagues and learning? How about going through the struggles? That's what that's what bothers me. And I'll say that that the the counter to that it's not really a counter. It's more of a again answer in the middle is when you're when you're when you're going to bunt for a hit or you're going to hit that ground ball down the with their, at third base. It's a hit, which is what Moneyball is predicated but you're, on. Right? But getting on base, but you're but you're giving up potential extra base hit. Now the odds for the potential extra base hit are what matter here. What are the odds of that versus uh, getting the extra base versus hitting it down their baseline, getting one base? Now the question is also who is the hitter? For me, it goes back to who's the hitter. I asked Dante Bichette about this because he's been a hitting coach and and we're seeing it, the fruits of his labor in both right now, of course. But he's, I said. Is it possible to have some sort of good mix of both slug and contact? Because his big thing, rightfully so, and we got Randall Gritchick here now, and I was talking to him yesterday about working with Dante, cutting his strikeouts down by 5% year over year. The year Dante started working with him, huge, huge strikeout reduction. And But he's also a power guy. And there's some sort of middle ground there where you can have both, right? It's like that, that, taco, that, that tacos commercial where they say, the taco keeps falling down. Well, why can't we? Why can't we have a, 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 a flat something flat so they make a flat bottom to the taco? And the little girl goes, "Why not both? Can we have both?" Okay, you brought up money balls. Yeah. Okay, you brought it. I did. Okay, Scott Hattieberg lives one mile from me. What was that movie Moneyball about? Scott Hattieberg. He was the key in that movie. Okay, L.A. The Dodgers. That whole movie was all about this and that. Who are the best players? The shortstop. 16-year-old sign. There you go. Okay, there you go. The best player on the team was the shortstop. And and you look at Billy Bean, remember? Oh, we got to draft the, the money ball product. Three years later, not one person said it about it. They went high school drafts because they knew it was wrong. 
but you know what? Billy Beads made a boatload of money off. Go off, go back on the history of it. He was an amateur scout. Go back on the history. They changed their direction completely. But the whole world thinks Bill Moneyball's great. Scott Hattieberg, I asked him, I go, I go, what was your key to hitting? And he's one of my good friends. We live in the same town. You know what he said? Get in a strike. Whether it was the first pitch or the sixth pitch. Getting a strike to hit. He goes, I was no better hitter than anybody else. He was a 270 hitter. But he said, you know what? I just didn't expand the zone. I knew what I could hit. In this game today, they're not taught that. They're taught to, hey, hit the ball over the fence. Well, let me say this. New York Yankees, they're going to have three guys with 200 strikeouts this year. Can you win a championship with that? So far, no. So far, the answer is no. I mean, you look at the team like you the Astros, who oh, don't oh, strike oh, out. Oh, oh, 09. The Yankees beat us in the World Series. 010, they start analytics real heavy with the Yankees. They haven't won one yet. They haven't been in one. Yeah, um, the Astros strikeouts. Bichette changed my mind on this. I was, you know, I was years ago. I was kind of on the an ounce and out uh, wagon. Now it's not an out because Correct. there's only one thing that is that is guaranteed about. A strikeout, and that is that you're going to be walking back to the dugout. You're not going. The ball. There is no. There is no. Um, can't make an there's error. No, can't get there, there's no variability. There's no potential chance for something bad to happen on the other side. So an out is not an out. Contact matters in that sense. And so that's where he changed my mind on strikeouts. Strikeouts bad. Slugging good. So how do we do both? Now, not everybody can, but. We have gone so far to one side that we are looking at just the 200 strikeout guy every year, you know. And I was talking to Will Clark a couple of weeks ago. He, he said, "He said, man, people go 260 and 24 and 54, and they're like, I had a great season. And it's like, man, that was my half, you know. And I was hitting 304, you know. So it's like there's something there in the middle which we haven't which we haven't gotten back to." The pride factor comes into it too. Guys were embarrassed to strike out a hundred times. A hundred times. Not 150, not 200, a hundred. And now guys don't even give a rat's ass because G our old GM and Gabe Kaplan as a manager said exactly what you said. Strikeouts the same as an out any out. And that's not true. But but that is being preached by a lot most of the analytics people, and that is wrong. But it's coming back the other way, isn't it? I don't think so. I don't think some places it is. But it's, it's not. But you go through the whole deal, and we've gotten away from teaching guys how to hit. We're teaching them swings. That, and, and you were never taught a swing. And I'm, not, and, and I'm not old school, new school. Like I told you, it's baseball. You have your theories of what you think works. I have my theories. I gotta have respect for what you think because you know what you you're respect gonna say stuff. Good. Yeah, listen no, to the other guy. That's yeah, how you're we gonna find say it. stuff, and there's some stuff I'm gonna go. That's complete garbage. You're gonna say something. I go. Oh, that's that, that makes sense. There, there are some assumptions, and you just brought one up. The guy sitting about four feet from us right now eating his lunch and probably talking about how tacos are a sandwich or something. Ryan Spielborg one time told me, because I was talking to Ian Desmond about his ground ball rate, because boy, his ground ball rate was awful, and he was in the double play every other night. And he overheard it. We go into, we're waiting for Buddy in the dugout, and he says, you're trying to talk to Desi about launch angle? I was like, yeah, I mean, I wanna know what he thinks about it. He said, let me tell you something, and this was really insightful. He said, it's not a swing, okay? 
until we break down the zone and all of the different sectors of the zone and tell a guy what bat path creates the, and it's in, right in the language, launch angle. It's launch angle, not swing angle. And if, if you have launch angle, you're looking at how the ball comes off the bat. And until we can teach that, what are we really doing? And so the swing, the, the loft, the uppercut, Mark has to deal with this all the time, and he's always frustrated, always complaining to me about you know, his hitters and stuff like that, which I'm not saying he's not justified in doing that. But the bottom line is, is that we have these assumptions that we've built into all of this that is ruining things. Oh, I mean, okay, you watch baseball for a living. This is what you do. And I'm sure you watch interviews and pay attention. Okay. You hear Juan Soto. You hear Mike Trout. You hear them all. Down through the ball, up at the end. Down through, up. That isn't launch. Launch angles this. What are they doing? Chopping wood and coming up. High, high finish. Fred McGriff. I ask Freddie all the time, Freddie, we came through together. And Freddie's a good friend of mine. I said, what do you think about launch angles? Everybody thought Freddie was an uppercut swinger. He goes, hell no, I tried to hit down on the ball and I just had a high finish. And it, but, but, but nowadays, it's being taught a different way. Under the ball, get fly balls. Watch, watch uh, Freddie Freeman, he's in the building today. Watch him on the on-deck circle and you'll see what we're talking about now. And you, watch, and you watch guys swing on long decks, or just like you said, watch a lot of them, they'll go, and that's not correct. And hey, I, I, I got one hit with the Bay so I'm not, a, I'm not a guy to talk about. one more than I have. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get any? I bunch. Remember, I was a good bunter, remember? Wait, wait, was, was a great bunter. Hit? No. No? Are you kidding me? I got traded the America. Oh, this is more ammunition. Man. I gave him a hard time about giving up Frank Thomas' first hit. Which is an absolute. Don't worry, it was a good salad stroke. We came through the minors together. It was salad. Missile off the right field wall. Anyway, bottom line is that he didn't have a hit, so I've got so much more to, to make fun he of. He was a better hitter than Jim Deshays. Okay, all right. That's something. But there's one thing about Yogi Jim. Yogi ruined my swing. He did. Jim Deshays. Could clear out a third base dugout better than anybody in the world. He was a left-handed hitter, and he was so late he did a little flipper. He cleared out more dugouts than any human that's ever played the game, and he was a pitcher. Uh, rule changes. Did you, did you hear these rule, proposed rule changes? The, the pitch calm thing is a new thing. I, here's my stance. The ball's leaving my hand with my name on it. I don't give a crap what the manager thinks or the catcher thinks. I'm going to throw what I believe in. Front. What do you think? For me, if you don't go with your strengths, you're an idiot. I mean, we'll go back. Me and you were rookies together. Alan Ashby came out to me one time, and he goes, hey, uh, go with your curveball today. I said, Ash, I don't have a curveball. He said, go with your slider. I said, the only thing I can throw for strikes is a fastball today, and we're going with that. And he looked at me, and he goes, well, you know, I've been in this league 16 years. I said, I've been in this body for 20. I know what I can do and what I can't do. And, and, and I told Ashby, basically, pound sand and get back behind the plate and shut up and just call, take what so, I tell you. So now what they're doing this business with the pitch calm and all oh, that. Oh, the, oh, the stuff on the watch? Yeah. Give me a break. I want to know who's calling the pitches. Yeah. That's, that's what I want to know. That's my point. I mean, I, don't, I have no idea who's calling the pitches, but I know one we thing. We know who's throwing it. I know one thing. Any pitcher during our era, and I would even think these guys today are going to go with what they want. What they want. I know me better than... That knows me, mm-hmm. or, or anybody knows me, and I know what's working for me today, yep. next inning, well, and the next inning. You don't know that, because some days you walk out there and he had a nice sinker. Okay, my sinker ain't there today. Now I gotta adjust. I don't have, there's certain days you walk out there and you don't have ammo in your pockets, and then you gotta figure out what to do. 
that's where all that yeah. stuff becomes a fallacy. Yeah, no scouting report can tell you that. Just no. Just it, it was like we were advancing for the World Series. And so we went out and we were doing the Rays. And we ended up playing the Rays. Well, I'd say, guys, let's get a, get a scouting report for all our guys. I go, I can't. They said, why not? I said, because Cole Hamels don't throw the same as Jamie Moyer. Every individual is different. And you That's can, why third time through is not a blanket statement. It is not. But I tell you what, if you're good, you figure out a way through the third time. Right. Okay, some, right. some days, exactly. you know what? Third time through, people say, well, that's, oh, it's documented. Well, you know what? That third time through isn't documented because, you know what? There's some games where you give up six runs in the sixth inning, and then you can throw six six shutout sixth innings, and it still looks like you got great. You can't look at just the number. You've got to look at the whole, the whole game log. You've got to look at the whole game that's, that's where it gets – that's where I think the problem lies is that, oh, we, didn't, we gave up this many runs in the sixth inning. Well, Are, are there any of these new cases you've heard about that you like? I like the pitch clock. I saw it in yeah. minor leagues, and it worked. It did. Who does it work on, the pitcher or the hitter? I think both. Because you know what? You got, you got 15, 20 seconds, whatever you do. You get on the mound. You Mike Hargrove? No, those guys are, those guys are out. You, know, hey man, you, you don't got a chance to do all this stuff. and Basically, you don't have a chance to think. <laughs> That's the greatest thing about it. Who are the best players you played with? The guys that didn't think. What are we doing now? We're putting so much info in their head, they're thinking too much. One thing that I'm going to miss about that um, is, you know, Chris Bryant last night, there was a mis- there was a miscommunication out in uh, left center field where Hilliard made I that diving catch. Yeah. And so um, I'm, I'm going to miss watching Barry Bonds play a guy perfectly in left field. Play, I'm gonna play a guy perfectly in left field. I'm going to miss how he's shading off the line, or I'm going to miss how he's playing shallow on a guy where everybody thinks he shouldn't be, and the ball, come, you know, he's right where he needs to be. The only place where he wasn't right where he needed to be was when Andy Van Slyke famously, allegedly told him to move in in 92 against uh, Francisco Cabrera. But other than that, it that's going away, it seems like. Well, let me just tell you this. I mean, okay, you played baseball since you were eight, five, whatever, and you got to the major leagues, so you were the best of the best. There's a reason you were the best of the best. And now, we got pitchers looking at their hats, what counts I'm supposed to throw. I can remember guys I played against A-ball when I threw them and how I pitched them. If you can't do that, then you're a moron. Sorry. I'm, uh, that's, that's a fact. But you know what? We've taken the instincts, the analytics have taken the instincts away from the players, and teams are allowing that to happen. Some of the best players I ever played with or played against or watched, they, they were high school graduates. They weren't the smartest guys in the world, but you know what? They knew how to play baseball, and they knew, and they knew where to play guys. The guy that used to bitch about it all the time because Cleveland was the, the new breed, Omar Vizquel, he's telling me to go, hey, screw you, I know how to play the hitters. I'm the best defensive shortstop in baseball. And that that's where D.D. DeGoria said it to us last year. He goes, I'm tired of them telling me where to play. I know how to play these hitters. And that's the players got to fight back a little bit. And, and the players are making so much money, they won't fight anymore because they just go, hey, man, I can sock away 100 mil. And, and I don't blame them. They don't have jello in their contract? No, no. Only, only, there's only, only one you. special human. Only you. Maybe only you. This, uh, I got to say, uh, we might be wrapping this up pretty soon, but I got to say, this is a beautiful conversation because this is what needs to happen in baseball on every, especially at the highest levels, is that um, 
you know, it's just like things in life. Sometimes I do this all the time. Sometimes you throw yourself into something new and you go way too far. And then you come back. And that seems like what we've done with analytics. I'm a, I'm a big analytics guy. I mean, I, I, do, I do that. That's part of my work. But um, I understand that there is, there are things that can't be measured. And those things need to have a place in the game. They can't just be discarded or thrown away. They have been. Correct? Yeah, right. I, well, I think, I think, I think to, a, to a large extent they have been. So now we can only hope that discussions like these make their way into front offices, high up into front offices, so that people can start to, to understand that we need to come back to the middle. And, and baseball will, in that case, probably not require so many rule changes anymore. What, what we need then is we need Charlie Kerfeld to become a general manager. I, know, start yeah, I have no desire. But the one well, thing... Well, tried the managing thing, and that didn't go so well. No, it went great. I loved it, but I knew it wasn't going to be a major league manager, so I went on the next phase of my career. But the one thing you go, let me ask you this. New, we were in double A. We were together. We had an old pitching coach named Fred Black. And you know what? I'd go to Fred and I'd go, what's this hitter doing to me? And Fred would go, watch, watch his foot or watch something. Okay. I go to the guy, he's a double-A pitching coach now, has never pitched one in a pro ball. Well, let's go look at the camera in the computer and see what it says. No, give him the answer of what happened to you. I'm not saying that's the only way, but goddamn, the experience does matter. It matters because you know what? Hey, man, me and him both, we signed together. And I guarantee he did it just like I did it. I looked at every pitching coach I had. I looked at the back of their bubble card because I wanted to know what level they played at. And I had a guy in a low A ball named Charlie Taylor. Charlie may have been one of the best pitching coaches I ever had. Never got out of A ball. But he was smart. And he, he communicated. And he had 15 years of experience. And he learned. But you just stick these guys in. Now what's now? Hey, you got to throw a high fastball. Well, we tried that two years ago with Zach Eflin. He's got one of the best sinkers in baseball. Zach Eflin told our pitching coach three quarters, halfway through the season, go, go pound sand. I'm going to pitch, lose, and win my way. Because it's, it's like Brandon Webb. You want to make Brandon Webb throw high fastballs? No. Aaron Cook, who played here. You want to make it? No. They're sinker balls. You can't put everybody in, you can't put everybody in the same cup. That's the whole point of and that's what happens. We'll wrap it up because I know you got a game to go watch. Is there a game? Today? There's a game today. I just came for the hot dog. I, as usual. Yeah, exactly. Charlie Kerfeld. Uh, again, if you don't know much about Charlie Kerfeld, go Google. Go, there's plenty of video on there. Plenty of entertainment value on there. Uh, the magnificent 1986 season with teammates with the Astros. Look, ten and two that year. Eleven and two. Because eleven and two, Manny wants to kill the win. What do you think about that? Oh, why'd you start that at the end? This is this, this, this the a win? whole other podcast. Charlie, 11-2 is a middle of the I'm, I'm going to tell you this, and I say it to everybody that's never stood on the mound, try and stand on the mound and win a game. It's have, not well, that easy. He just wants to now, 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 I understand if I come in a game and we're two runs ahead and I give up three, then we come back. Now, Which that, happened. That's well, a, that's yeah, a, that did happen. I had one time. One time. Yeah, well, <laughs> but, but you stand out there for five to nine innings, and pitch and, and try and get a win. Here's it's not easy. Here's the difference to me, and I and I talked to guys, I, did, I wrote about this a few years ago because we had a lot of aces coming through here, uh-huh. scheduled pitch. I talked to um, let's see, Kershaw, Scherzer, and Hendricks, and I asked them each, what do you think about the win? Is it useful? Is it purposeful? Is it? And, and, I, and I get what they said. Kershaw said it best. He's like, no, it's useless to you guys. It's useless to you guys because you guys have other things to look at to determine how well we did. But for us, I want to leave... After five innings, with the lead. 
And so I get that. And Scherzer said the same thing. It's like, oh, it's a useless step. I think that might be verbatim. He said it's a useless step. But I care about it because this. He's a competitor. He's on the mound. And that's where I agree with you is that if you're on the mound, you're looking at it from that perspective, um, as a competitor, it matters. It absolutely matters. But as an observer, when I'm doing my job, it's like, you know, I don't really care. You know who has the most zeros at the end of their Con, uh, at the end of their paycheck is the guy who has the most wins. And I and I and I hate that about arbitration. <laughs> and also, and, and here's the, and we were talking about that. I was, we were true. talking about that yesterday. But yesterday we were talking about that. You know who I was talking about that with yesterday? Carlos Estevez. And yesterday he got the win after throwing two pitches. That's a vulture. That's a vulture. Which, which we all did. Which was, all was wasn't that your nickname that year? Eighty six. That was a vulture. But I only had one sheep one that year. But the point of the deal was... It just worked perfect. I, yeah, I would go into games. 0-0, zero, zero, one, one, two, two. If I had a bad inning, I got the loss. But if I had some yeah, good innings, then we scored. Well, that's his thing. It's like a evens out. Yeah, it evens out. I just us. I think uh, that's, a, that's an entirely new, uh, whole nother podcast. Good. We're good. having you back on, I guarantee good. you. You have his number, right? Oh, absolutely. I do. We got, I do. We got a lot of stuff. Uh, we'll talk more. Hey, Charlie, appreciate it very much. Anytime, Great to see you as always. Um, My great, pleasure. Great career. Check it out. We'll be back with more on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USAPrimeColorado at gmail.com for more information. So that's a wrap from Coors Field as the Rockies begin the season on a high note, taking the series from the L.A. Dodgers. Our thanks to the Rockies' Ryan McMahon and to my former teammate and Philadelphia Philly scout Charlie Kerfeld for joining us. A little loud in the lunchroom, but hanging with Charlie is always worth a listen. And of course, thank you for taking in another episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Hope you'll keep us in your lineup. Catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.